You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Three stories about the grace of God. Today we are in the story we find ourselves in grace. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you search for us, you wait for us, you turn over, you turn over the world for us, that you never give up on us. Thank you for that kind of extravagant grace. Jesus, would you have a conversation with our hearts today? In your holy name, amen. Good morning, it's such an honor to get to be with you and to get to share the word of God that's been on my heart. And I'm so thankful to count myself a beloved of God with the beloveds, restored in Christ, ignited in the spirit and courageous for the call of God. So I'm really glad to be with all of you this morning. So shortly after I graduated from Asbury, that would be in the late 1900s, shortly after, In the land of Wilmore, there was a lot of mobile homes, little trailers that were parked behind people's houses. Now, there isn't as many of them now, which is probably a good thing, but when I graduated from Asbury, I moved myself into a pink trailer, a little pink mobile home. It was kind of faded pink, and it was located behind a house. There was a couple other mobile homes, this little trailer. It still had the trailer hitch on it. This was before tiny homes were cool. I brought in, I was a maven of the tiny house movement. So I moved myself into this little trailer and along the pink body of the trailer, there was this little rickety front porch. And if you kind of closed your eyes and squinted, you might think you were maybe at the lake or something, but it had kind of a lake shore kind of vibe. And in this little pink trailer. It was very, very small and tiny, but the the landlord had decked it out with some new gears, new carpets, some new cabinets. And I was really excited about the washing machines. There was a cat, there was a closet, there was a washing machine. So I didn't have to haul my clothes to the laundromat. Well, except there was no dryer, but you know, there was a washing machine. And I was so excited to use that washing machine. But on the very first day when I put my stuff in there, It was going well, it was going well, and then when it hit the spin cycle, the whole machine started to like move out of the closet, opened the closet door of its own accord, moved out of the closet, and it began shaking the trailer so hard that the cabinet door started flying open and shut, and dishes were dangerously in process of falling, and I had to quickly turn off the spin cycle. That was the last time I used the spin cycle or the washing machine at all. Then I got to realize that there there was other kind of fun things about my little pink trailer. One of the fun things was I was kind of low to the ground. And I learned, because I came home one night, that a family of possums were living underneath it. There was a mom, a dad, and babies. They were all kind of had created themselves a little cozy space under my trailer. And then I realized that the bump 
that I was hearing in the night were the bumps of their backs as they hit the top of the trailer. So between that and the metal roof, there were squirrels that would land on the metal roof and they would crawl across it. I began to wonder if this was truly home sweet home, tiny house movement for me. But it all kind of came to a, a point. It came to the, the last straw when one day I was vacuuming my little tiny living room. And I had an old kind of cool vintage church pew. And I reached under that vintage church pew and I was vacuuming. I was like, oh, there's something under there. What is that? So I get down and I look and I see to to my horror or strangeness that up through the carpet, there was a whole harvest of mushrooms. Like fungus and mushrooms had sprouted and they had pushed their way up through the carpet. So I had a whole harvest of mushrooms going on. It was shortly after that I moved out of the pink trailer. It was $165 a month. That was a bargain back then. So, uh, you know, what I learned was that pink trailer, the floorboards were totally rotten. They were dead. And they had put some really nice looking carpet over those floorboards, but sooner or later, what was I gonna find out? I was gonna find out that they were rotten, that they were dead underneath. You know, really, some of us, if not all of us, in fact, all of us (laughs) share this part of the story. There are parts of our lives that are rotten, and dead, and fungus is growing up in it, but we've covered it over with really great carpet. (laughs) You know, that is all of our story. Ephesians 2 says it like this. You were dead through trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the ruler of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. What this is saying is that not so long ago for all of us, if not today, we were mired in that old stagnant life of sin, the rotten floorboards dead life of sin. We let the world who doesn't even know anything about really living teach us how to live. We filled our lungs, it says in the message. We filled our lungs polluted with unbelief and then we exhaled disobedience. We all did whatever we felt like doing when we wanted to do it. All of us, every one of us in this room, we are in the same boat. And we looked around at the world looking for people to try and teach us how to live. And we looked at dead people who didn't know the first thing about living. We were dead people looking at the culture and the world to teach us how to live. We were looking for dead people to teach us how to live. We didn't know that the story that we were immersed in or are still immersed in is the story of death. Hard words for Monday morning, I know. It's in Ephesians. 
We didn't know that we were the undead. So I was kind of thinking about these dead people walking around. I started to think about zombies. So, uh, you know, <laughs> zombies are kind of a popular trope in our, maybe that's kind of past, but maybe in the last decade. There's a lot of zombie stuff, a lot of walking corpses, right? I've never really been into that kind of zombie motif, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot going on in our world about zombies. So when I read this passage, I thought, we're like the undead. It's like a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and we're walking around acting kind of like we're alive, but really we're dead inside. Okay, there was one zombie movie. I'm not seeing very many zombie movies. I really don't like them. There was one zombie movie, maybe came out like 10 years ago. It was called Warm Bodies. Anyone seen it? No, okay, I'm in this big spoil. Oh, one person, thank you, thank you, two people, thank you. Okay, there was this movie <laughs> about a zombie apocalypse, of course, and there was this zombie named R, and he falls in love with a real human, and here's the giveaway, right? Throughout the course of the movie, as he falls in love with this human, his own zombie dead heart begins to beat. And the end of the movie, he comes back to life through the power of love. <laughs> All right, it's a little bit, I mean, I liked it, but you know. But anyway, the point is, is that we are undead walking around looking at other zombies to tell us how to live. They can't do it, right? I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you a zombie? Are you a zombie? Are you walking around dead? I was doing a little research for my uh, talk about zombies and the CDC actually has a guide to the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> really, it's true. I mean, it's primarily about emergency preparedness, but it does have some good hints. You can look that up. Anyway, no zombie apocalypse today. All of us are in the same boat with the unliving. We are dead without who? Without Jesus, without Christ Jesus. And it says it like this in Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. But God, these two words, but God, are overflowing with the gospel. They are the hinge point of the best plot twist in all of human history. <laughs> Instead of being dead in sin, instead of being undead zombies, you get to choose Jesus through no good of your own, only the power of his grace and mercy. But God, you were walking dead. I was walking dead. We were nothing more than zombies, but God, you lived for yourself and followed death. You were immersed in a story of death, but God, you were children of wrath, but God, you had no hope, but God, you were lost without a life preserver, but God, you were hopeless, you were helpless, but God, you were nothing, you were immersed in the story of death, and so was I, but God, but God, who's rich in his mercy, out of the great love by which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin, that God made us live together in Christ through grace, through grace. The story you find yourself in, the story I find myself in is a story of grace. Jesus loved to tell stories. He loved to tell stories and go to parties. You're a storyteller and host really good parties. You are on the path of Jesus. I'm actually not kidding. <laughs> 
Jesus loved to tell stories, and he told three stories about the extravagant grace of God. He talked about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And in each story, there's a similar or the same plot. Something is lost. The sheep is lost. The shepherd leaves the rest of the sheep and goes out in pursuit of the one. And when the shepherd brings that sheep home, he throws a big party. He says, rejoice with me, for I found what was lost. In the next story, a coin is lost and the housekeeper turns her house upside down. The housekeeper declutters and deorganizes and throws stuff away. all in search of the one coin. And when she finds it, what does she do? She throws a big party, come and rejoice with me. And then there's the lost son. And the father searches the horizon, waits for his son. And when his son shows up, he throws a party and rejoices. If you need to be found today, it is the grace of God that searches for you, goes after you, no questions asked, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time. The Holy Spirit is pursuing you, is chasing you down. It says in Psalm 23, will follow you with goodness and mercy all the days of your life. The Holy Spirit is after you, going behind you, going ahead of you on all sides. You know, sometimes people can come to a place like Asbury and feel like everyone else is in a better place. That everyone else somehow knows more about Jesus, is further along in the spiritual journey, or who doesn't really need what I need. We might feel like our story's not good enough to be here, or it doesn't fit in, or we don't fit the mold, or we don't really know what people are talking about. But the good news is, all of us are in the same boat but God. And the place that you find yourself today, your story today is a part of the story of God. God's grace and mercy knows no bounds. And wherever you are today is the best place to be because the Holy Spirit is after you today where you are today. Do you know one of the most holy things you can do as people of God is throw a party? The New Testament, the gospels are full of parties. If you want to be more like Jesus, Throw parties and celebrate goodness. Talk up your friends. Make big dinners and pass out brownies and maybe dance in silence with headphones. Whatever you do, have a really big party. God is such a fan of parties. And when the lost is found, when you are brought in to the heart of God, when you come home to Jesus, there is the biggest party in heaven. And sometimes, just like the floorboard in my trailer, right? It might just be part of us, part of us that is lost. But no matter how small the part, the Holy Spirit goes after it. The Holy Spirit follows it. It's this kind of grace. You know, a long while ago, I had this picture. I don't know if it was a a dream or a vision, but it stayed with me. And I saw myself on this road and I was praying this prayer. I was praying this prayer. God, would you cut out this? Would Would you cut out this kind of sin? Would you cut out this feeling? Would you cut out this thought? And and I had this image of myself and behind me were like, parts of me left along the road. And I looked down, this is kind of sounding zombie-esque, but bear with me. I looked down and there was like holes in, in my body. 
And I looked back and, and I've been praying this prayer like, Lord, will you cut it out? Lord, will you remove it? And the Holy Spirit came to me in that moment and said, Sarah, pick up the pieces. Sarah, I didn't ask you to leave anything behind. I am going to redeem every part of your story. I'm going to take what you thought was only good for the trash dump. I'm going to take what you thought had to be left aside, and I am going to redeem it. I am going to restore it. I'm going to make it part of your story for goodness and for grace. There is no part of you. There is no part of you that is too rotten to be outside the love and grace of God. There's no part of you that's too far. There's no part of you that's too squandered. There's no part of you that's too ruined. God covers all of it. And God is throwing a party for every bit of your soul. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's all grace. This is what we call prevenient grace. It means grace that goes ahead of us, grace that precedes us, that before we even know it, the grace of God is going ahead of us. You may have known that you experienced it. it the, the prevenient grace of God is what begins to stir in your heart. It what, is what makes you kind of linger around a thought. It's a nudge. It's a sense that there's more. It's that need and hunger and awareness of the Holy Spirit. That is prevenient grace. So what then does the grace of God do for us? God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The grace of God gives us a relationship with Jesus for all time and it begins now. So that in the ages to come, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's an infinite journey of grace into God's kindness and goodness. One of my favorite authors, Madeline Lengel says, you could put all of your sin and shame and pain, it'd be like one burning coal in the ocean of God's love. God's love is infinite. We cannot see the other side of it. We can walk through the love of God for all time into eternity and we will never come to an end of it. That is the grace of God. What else do we know? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. It is a gift. You cannot earn it. You cannot manufacture it. Do you know that you're not in charge of your own holiness? You can't form yourself spiritually. You can't make yourself be more holy. You can't become more like Jesus on your own. You cannot earn it, you cannot deserve it, you cannot make it, you cannot control it, you cannot own it. All we do is trust Jesus. He will do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. This is the story of God. Like Pastor Greg was talking about last week, from Genesis to Revelation is the story of God and it continues in our lives. The story of God is God's work of redemption and restoration for the sake of relationship with you and me, for wholeness and healing, for the forgiveness of sins, for the redemption of our souls. It is God's story. God plays the major role. We're a minor character. <laughs> it is our story, but our story, like Dr. Brown was talking about, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the next gospel that people see, and maybe the only one is you, your story 
is a little part of the story of God. But God is doing something really big, something macro. And what God does in big, God does in small. So just as God has a plan for humanity, for purpose, for redemption as we turn to God, God has that plan through his mercy and his grace, a plan and purpose for you. Frederick Beekner says it like this. The grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. Yes, being able to receive the gift is the grace of God. This grace is not the result of work so that no one may boast. None of us are in a competition for spirituality. We are all beginners at the spiritual life. None of us can one-up another person in how much closer they are to God. God is infinite. We are human. We are always just starting. It's a really good place to be. And in verse 10 it says, for we are what he has made us. We are what he has made us. Some, some translations say God's handiwork, God's poem. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. You know, in these 10 verses, it takes us from zombie undead to how to really live. It takes us from trying to learn how to live by our social media influencers who don't know Jesus, all the way to how to live from Jesus Christ. And that there are good works in the grace of God prepared for you, you uniquely to do. A plan and a purpose, grace in your life today. You are created for good works. You know, it is possible to waste your life. It is possible to dedicate your life to the pursuit of entertainment, to pursuit of your own best interest. It's possible to live for yourself. It's possible to be successful in the eyes of the world, but wasteful in the eyes of the kingdom. This whole story is so that this life you will live, you will become more alive, not less alive. And every step towards God makes you more real, not less real. Do not be deceived. The culture and the world would have you believe that the ways of success look in certain ways and they are about power and beauty and brawn and brain and money. They're about having it. Do not be deceived. This is not the way of the kingdom of God. Do not look to zombies to teach you how to live. There can be good things in our culture and world because everything good belongs to God. But the heart of God for you and me, the grace given to God, the God who called you out of a story immersed in death into a story of life has a purpose with great intentionality for your life and for my life, a purpose prepared for you. You are the handiwork and the poem of God. What you have been prepared for is unique. It is purposeful, it is intentional. It is full of grace. If you were not in the world, we would be missing you. The party would not be complete. Later in Ephesians, it says, wake up from your sleep. 
climb out of your coffins, Christ will show you the light. I don't know what coffin you find yourself in, but sometimes, sometimes we kind of slip parts of our lives back into the coffin. Sometimes we stop looking for God. I wonder today where the floorboards of your life are that are rotten. When you receive the grace of God, the foundation over time and relationship, God reorients your life and the beams of bitterness become beams of hope and the floor built out of anger becomes the floor built out of love and the walls of rage become the walls of mercy. Instead of a cement slab of shame, God gives you grace. Oh Jesus, we don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to walk around like dead people. We don't want to live in our coffins. We don't want to look to people who are dead to teach us how to live. Jesus, would you open our eyes? Would you, would you direct our eyes to your presence and to your face? Would you do it? Jesus, some of us have built our entire lives hiding shame. We've built our entire lives hiding secrets. We've created structures, Jesus, to protect us. And Lord, it's pinning us down. But God, thank you that when you come, you take all the parts of our lives and you knit it back together. And you pour blessing and healing and hope and truth because you are a God of grace. So Jesus, you know the hearts here today. You know their stories. You know the story that they're immersed in. Lord Jesus, would you exchange the story of death for the story of grace, for the story of freedom, for the story of what you want to do in my life and in these lives today, Lord Jesus. Would you stand? We're going to sing. You know, at Asbury, our altar is always open. It's evergreen. Sometimes we'll invite you and sometimes we won't. But there's things that happen in a unique way at the altar. It's a place where we can say, God, you've shown up. You're moving in my life. But whatever God is doing and speaking and stirring in you, would you say just one little yes to the work of God?